The Audacity podcast acknowledges the traditional custodians of the land we're recording on today, the Dharawal people, and pay our respects to all First Nations people, past, present, and emerging. We also acknowledge that we're recording on stolen land and that sovereignty was never ceded. The Audacity podcast will start in three, two, one, and launch. The male species. Perhaps the most intriguing and bewildering creatures amidst the earth we live on. Too frequently tainted with audacious behaviour, the male population has had their moments. But are they misunderstood? Join us as we explore the psyche of men and unpack why they act the way they do. (laughs) Welcome back, everyone. I'm Kat Sleeman, and this is the Audacity Podcast. Before we get into today's episode, and it is quite a juicy one, I might add, um, I just want to do a quick follow-up and say thank you so, 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 so much for all the support I've received in response to the first episode. It's super daunting putting yourself out there online and especially putting your opinions out there on pretty divisive topics, uh, i.e. COVID vaccines. I actually had a bit of an internal meltdown in the days leading up to release and I was freaking out that everyone would hate me and think that I was way too opinionated. Um, But then I figured if I have an opinion on and am happy to speak on literally everything else, then I think I need to have an opinion on this too, whether everyone's going to like it or not. Actually, this kind of relates to what's going on in the media um, or what was happening, I think it was last week, with Guy Sebastian receiving a lot of backlash for sitting on the fence in regards to vaccine advocating. I guess I was kind of in his boat in that I was nervous as fuck about sharing my opinions on COVID because uh, I didn't want to get hate, basically. But uh, then I had a chat to my dear friend Summer and what she said is pretty damn true. I'm kind of having... A mental breakdown about people hating me for my divisive opinions. Um, But then again, I feel like I kind of have to have an opinion on a podcast, no? Yeah, because you can't be Switzerland when it comes to thoughts. You have to, like, have a choice and, like, an opinion on something. Or else you have, like, no girth to your podcast, you know? Oh my god, girth. (laughs) (laughs) Girth. Anyway, she's right. So, that is my vow. I will try my hardest to not be Switzerland when it comes to forming opinions. Anyway, I really do appreciate the support. I've actually had a couple people tell me that I have a voice for podcasting, which I don't know if you know, but that is a huge compliment. Like, damn, okay, I'll start guided meditations. You don't need to ask me twice. (laughs) Imagine. Wait, I want to try. Okay, wait. Um... Welcome to the start of the journey to your best self. Oh my god. Oh my god. Ew. Okay. No, I'll stop. Oh, I also love that everyone's obsessed with Poppy. She's pretty damn good. I'll give her that. I let her know that you all found her hilarious. Well, I did once I finally got a hold of her. You have reached the message bank of... Salutations, Poppy. I would appreciate if you would give me a call back. Also, why do you sound so scared in your voicemail? I don't know. I think that she does sound scared in it. I called her back a little later and she actually picked up. Salutations, Poppy. Hello? (laughs) How are you going? Good. I have a question. Yes? 
in your voicemail you said I sound so scared. Yeah. Do I have a voicemail? <laughs> yeah, didn't you know? I, I don't remember recording one. I have it on record, actually. You'll hear it in the next episode. <laughs> Also, the people love you, Poppy. People love me. Yeah. Fucking nice. Anyway, so since we spoke last, my roomie and I got our first Pfizer shot, which was super exciting. And it went really well. Honestly, probably a little too well. So, how are you feeling after Pfizer? Dude, my boobs have grown. I feel like <laughs> it actually does make you hotter because I agree. I think that there is a little bit more voluptuousness to my my boobs. I have never been able to like fully cup my hands around my boobs, but right now I feel comfortable like holding them. I agree. I feel like Pfizer is pro itty bitty titty committee. And I'm so glad we chose that. Thank you, Pfizer. <laughs> Thank you, Pfizer. Shout out to South Wales Health for sponsoring us. <laughs> <laughs> Now, before we get into today's episode, I just wanted to thank some of the people that made it possible. Obviously, the people that we've already heard so far, so Summer, Poppy, Harry P. But I also wanted to thank the people that will be chatting in today's episode, uh, another Harry. There's a lot of Harrys in the world. Um, also, my friend Maddie and Tyler. You guys are the absolute real MVPs. Really isn't easy to open up and talk to an audience of people, so I really appreciate it and I'm very grateful. <laughs> You're listening to The Audacity Podcast. So today's topic came about as a result of a Caitlin Moran interview I was watching a couple weeks back. By the way, worth noting, Caitlin Moran is my absolute feminist queen. Bossest bitch ever. I highly recommend looking up some of her work or her interviews. She's super empowering. Anyway, in this interview, she was talking to this old white hetero cis dude about how feminism helps men too because we're all about gender bullshit basically. Like, yes, women get raped, they don't get paid as much and get judged by our appearances, but men also don't get custody of their children as much and have higher suicide rates. So there's clearly issues across both genders that need addressing. And feminism means the social, political and economic equality of the sexes, which, shocker, includes you guys, men. Yay! I know, right? Cool. You guys can be in our club. Anyway, she makes a really good point, particularly in response to incels, which are a whole fucking nother topic. Vom. Blech. Uh, but she says feminism isn't about driving men into a corner. It's about equality. Uh, it's also about diminishing ideas like um, men not being able to cry or be vulnerable. Or diminishing ideas like to be a man you have to be having sex with a woman. So really problematic ideas that just perpetuate gender roles, essentially. Now, I'm going to read an excerpt from the interview that I found really interesting, and it basically lays the foundation for today's episode. I've changed a couple of her words here and there throughout, but it's all there in essence, basically. Being the dominant sex is exhausting. You've been stuck in one mode with one plot for so many years. Women have spent the last nearly 100 years talking about all the ways they can change, and in doing that, have changed women's lives dramatically. Their aspirations, their thinking, the way they analyse, their capabilities, what they can do. Compared, our discussion about what men can be as a sex over the past hundred years has been absolutely minuscule. There's no such thing as talking about a male feminism that's progressive and says, well, if women can turn into all of these incredible things, well, what can we do now? This frees you up, men. 
This is an incredible creative endeavor. Like, what do you want to be? What's the stuff that's been screwing you up? What's the advice your dad gave you that just ate you up inside when you were a teenager that you've spent the rest of your life trying to get over? What are the things in parenting that you feel like you're not getting? What are the things that make you feel unhappy? That's how we invented feminism. We all sat around and talked about it. Now, she gets cut off a whole lot by the old white dude, but that was it in a nutshell. But it really got me thinking about all the conversations yet to be had for men. The reason we don't talk about men's perspectives that much and men's issues that much in feminism is honestly because we don't know. We can't speak for you. We need you to. Feminism and male rights can coexist. If you're what they call an equalist, then you're a feminist. So let's get over the stigma of it and let's talk about shit in a real way so that we can fix it, I say. And that's exactly what we're going to do. Analyzing. Engage. So if I'm going to get answers to these pressing, pressing questions that I have, I'm going to need some experts on the mechanisms of the male mind. So I asked some friends, Maddie, Tyler and Harry, to help me out. Hello. Oh, hey, how you doing? What is going on? Okay, so our first question for the male population came from my dear friend Summer. I've mentioned her a little bit earlier. She's one of my closest friends, my biggest hyper girl, and she's also from America, if you can't tell. Anyway, I called Summer a little earlier for some help with questions for the male population. Well, it's curious to see what men do talk about with one another, see if they even, like, what topics do you express? And then what topics do you internalize, you know? Yeah, that's so true, because I feel like girls don't really internalize much. No, we're out in the open about literally everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> literally, TMI till the day you die. <laughs> yeah. TMI till the day you die. Genius. She's got a point, though. I want to know. What topics do guys internalize and what topics do they talk about in the open? When girls are talking amongst our friendship mm-hmm. groups, I don't think that there's like any boundaries with what we talk about. Like we yeah. will talk about our vaginas. We will talk about our feelings. We will talk about literally anything. But I wonder, like, do you guys have that same kind of relationship with different topics? Like, are there some topics that guys internalize? Are there some that they are more inclined to talk about? Oh, definitely. And it's very, it's very prevalent within most of my, uh, strict guy groups that I may have that a lot of a lot of my mates don't want to admit that they have problems they see you know signs of uh either anxiety or depression or 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 anything else as a sign of weakness um so instead of instead of viewing these or talking about these points they just kind of um they just take it on and struggle with themselves especially in regards to opening up and, and sharing secrets it's still kind of seen differently that we should all be you know stoic and 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 this type of type of man who should have no problems and be seen as constantly happy and and outgoing and far-fetched etc etc so it's it's sometimes tough to like bring up topics of conversation or to be like yo like how are we how's our bowel movements this week guys like what's, <laughs> like, what the heck what's going on are we are we looking healthy and then people yeah. are like yeah, and then it's kind of like disregarded, but especially in regards to emotions or breakups or anything like that, it's just kind of brushed under the rug, which is definitely something which has been improving as of late. But as a as a as a boy growing up in a seemingly, I guess, um, 
dysfunctional society growing up where men and women weren't equal it's it's tough to then try to to break those social norms and to you know be open about everything without kind of being put down in front of your friends because you know joking and having a laugh about things is all good within your friends but no one really wants to be put down in front of a group so it's easier just to stay quiet and and not mention anything I, don't, I feel pretty blessed to be surrounded by, like, a group of guys that are very open about those sorts of things. But um, in terms of, like, like just to latch on to what you were saying about, you know, sexual topics, um, I think that, like, the nuances of, like, sexual relationships often get lost, like, um, among, like, male conversations. Obviously, like, like I said, um, all of my friends are very open about those sorts of things and are very comfortable, you know, delving into, you know, their own relationships. But just from, like, what I've experienced, like, you know, at a broader society level, like, it's very much more about, like, just kind of, like, you know, the bullet points rather than going, like, further into, like, the topics of, you know, like, like what does make, like, you know, a loving relationship and things like that. Like, it's kind of just assumed that everyone knows what's going on and, you know, everyone has their own, like, particular styles, uh, which is absolutely true. But I think that, like, you know, if we are to delve more into those, you know, topics about, you know, positive relationships and, you know, positive emotional exchanges and things like that, um, I don't think that those things are being tapped into um, as much as they could be um, if we're going to be more open as a society and be more open as a male society. I don't know, it's just always been painted for men to be tough and hold their emotions in, and I think that's why there is such a movement at the moment about men's mental health, and just because yeah. we bottle it all inside because we don't want to appear weak, and, you know, like appearing weak is a bad thing, but it really isn't, like being vulnerable is when you can get help from others. Like, where does that habit come from? Like, internalising those emotions, like, do you think that that's something that comes from how you were raised does it come from society 100 percent. it's 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 a it's all of those factors together like um you know our social norms that especially you know kids and people around our age at the moment when we were when we were grown up it's it's definitely in regards to the educational system like um let's like as an example um as a boy growing up you, uh, you may learn that men and women aren't equal from an, from an early age, even though both parents may work and have the same education. Dad might be watching the footy on the Saturday and mum might be doing the housework. Yeah. Um, I, like, you know, I would, I re- remember specifically playing um, AFL growing up and then, you know, getting hit too hard on the footy field and the coach telling you to just man up and, you know, hit him back. And it's just like, okay, well, then I can't express this pain or emotion because then I'm going to be seen, you know, weaker compared to everyone else. Wow. Um, Isn't that crazy that it's even perpetuated among like teachers and like coaches and stuff or like, especially. Yeah. 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 A hundred percent. And, and you know, it definitely comes down to individual and, and relationship inequality, which is stupidly prevalent within our society Yeah. to this, to this day. And, you know, girls grow up and they get told how pretty they are and never how smart they are. Yeah. Guys grow up being told how strong and, and masculine they are. It's like these sexist and practicing behaviors which are just kind of rooted within the brain that luckily we grew up in a time where it's only now that we're trying to, you know, combat these things. 
So the next question I have for the male population mainly derives from rom-coms, but I want to know. Uh, I also want to know if the three day rule is a thing. What, the three days before you have sex? Oh, no, I mean three days after a date you text them. Oh. <laughs> okay, so there seems to be some confusion. So for those who don't know, here's the three-day rule in a nutshell. Brought to you by L.com. Popularised by the rom-com, the three-day dating rule insists that a person wait three full days before contacting a potential suitor. A first-day text or call is too eager. A second-day contact seems planned, but three days is somehow the perfect amount of time. Anyway, I think it's bullshit, but if guys are learning their sex from porn, then I want to know if they're learning their dating mechanisms from movies. Tell me, is the three-day rule true? The three-day rule? Can you, can you explain this to me? Why is it every guy suddenly doesn't know what the three-day rule is? No, I want to know if you can explain it to me first and then I'll explain I, I, it. I, 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 I just tell you the truth, the three-day rule of what? I'm, I'm blanking out in regards to okay, this. Is so, a, is so, that a good thing or is that a bad thing? So, a guy, you go on a date with a guy or you're talking to a, or you've seen a guy and oh, then okay. after you see them, there's like three days around roughly before they'll hit you up again. No, no, God, no. It's definitely a thing you might... Uh, you know, start talking to someone, but unfortunately, like, personally, like, this shit's hanging around in my brain way too long. I need to get it out there. Otherwise, I'm just going to sit and overthink for a couple of days. What's the point in waiting? Is it like, ooh, I want to play hard to get. I want to act like I'm not interested. No, if you're interested and want to see someone, like, I don't see a, I don't see a problem in being like, hey, thinking about you now, what's doing? Let's hang out tomorrow. I had a, I had a great time with you. Thank you. Yeah, I'm sorry. Oh. Like, I don't understand the play. We need a model yet. for it. We need a model for it. <laughs> three-day rule, my ass. I get, yeah, whatever. Is the three-day rule actually a thing? The three-day rule, as in, like, after you see someone, you wait three days to hit them back? Yep. Finally, someone that knows what it is. Or you heard like friends' fathers say growing up to them that they kind of like internalized for a long time and probably, um, you know, ate up at them a little bit inside. Like, I know for girls, like, we struggled a lot with like body image and like making sure, like, a lot of not so much my mum, but like, I know a lot of girls had like mums that would be like, you know, watch what you're eating, like, you shouldn't, you should be ladylike, you should do this. Like, were those kind of gender roles also pushed onto young boys? You know, it's funny because um, everyone is a product of you know the time that they were born in, and you know the pro- and you know the environment they were born in. So it's hard for me to look back and go, oh yeah, that you know that was that was kind of funny because you know when I experienced it at the time, it would have been a lot more normal. So, but I can say that you know, like I do think that there is like there are 
influences that are placed upon you in terms of like hobbies um you know like a lot of my friends are very into sports and fishing and all those things and it's great but they're very much um you know stereotypical male um hobbies do you think that that's because men want to talk but they like have to do it over like a activity kind of thing like is that their like form of bonding oh yeah absolutely yeah shared experience is you know the closest you know glue that like it is the glue that keeps the male uh, the male you know structure together um and something that i learned that was really interesting was that like in a broad analysis of um male and female uh social circles they found that um that group membership was the most important thing for males so like you know so being a part like being able to identify yourself underneath a group banner so you know like my friends like like we have a we have a name for the group chat and when we refer to other people like uh, like other people within the group we refer to them underneath that banner whereas for for women um they found that the most important thing keeping them together was um was interpersonal connection and being able to um you know to relate and have close bonds with those like around you. So yeah, absolutely. Um I do think that you know shared hobbies and interests is the sometimes maybe the only thing keeping uh, guys together like even within that study I'm pretty sure that like the connection between individual members wasn't like as strong but the connection to the group title was particularly what kept everyone so close together within that. Do guys compare themselves a lot? Oh yeah. Yeah, I reckon. What I kind of I, stuff? Probably like body image a little bit like I don't know, the people say like the ideal male physique is sort of to be big and strong. So you see a lot of that in social media. Yeah, like, is it like the gym yeah. junkie kind of vibe? Yeah. Wow, that's so interesting because I always think like there's so many different standards for women. So I'm like, I wonder what the guys, like, what the, I like, almost unrealistic body standard is for dudes. So yeah, I guess that actually, is... Brad Pitt Fight Club, that physique is, like, one that comes up in conversation a lot amongst, like, me and my mates. Are you so serious? Like, wow, like, he, he's ripped, like, so lean. That is sick. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> Brad Pitt in Fight Club, that's so funny. Like, living by comparison is something that has really ruined me over the years, um, and yet has been such a, like, has been such a tight part of, like, who I've been while I've been, like, developing. And, like, you know, when I'm talking to friends and things like that, um, I do, like, you know, in those, actually, you know, in those very close, you know, deep, deep and meaningful conversations, yeah. um, there is, there is a bit of, um, a bit of comparison. But I also think that, um... I think that there's less pressure to be, you know, like other, like, like other abstract people that are like far away for, for like guys, whereas like for women, I do think that, you know, you are, I mean, this is totally up to you. I am a, I am a male. Uh, I am a male so, you know, <laughs> That's okay too, just go for it. <laughs> but, you know, um, but I do think that there is like, you know, more of a, a high godly standard to, to reach rather than like guys where it's like, as long as you've got, you know, house, job and uh, a partner, then like you're doing pretty good. Oh, well, you know, social media definitely does not help 
Oh yeah, exactly. Whatsoever, you know, our social platforms are, are like even even dating even dating apps are a breeding ground for toxicity because it's basically a hot or not. Literally, yeah, and you're just scrolling scrolling through presenting the best versions of yourself and you can't help but when you're looking at other people it's only natural to compare yeah so yeah it's definitely breaking down it's definitely breaking down those those norms but it'll be it's it's very hard for people not to compare to their own lives so i i necessarily don't know how to how to how to like you know combat this because you can't really help it Analyzing now. Stand clear. What? Okay. What about fuck boys? Nature or nurture? <laughs> um. Well, the uh, <laughs> nature and nurture debate has um <laughs> has come to a certain conclusion, but I think it is absolutely a mix between the two. Like there is, like you can't separate any behavior. And especially one as, you know, fucked up and despicable as fuckboyism. So you can't split it up into nature and nurture. Like, I think that, yeah, it's absolutely a combination between the two. And, you know, like you were saying before, with with attitudes passed down from males, like like from fathers to sons, um, I'm very, uh, yeah, I'm very lucky in that I don't know any fuckboys. So I can't really... Speak to speak to that process, and maybe that's why I don't see too much of that intergenerational <laughs> transfer. But I definitely think that males' attitudes towards females that are exemplified by the father definitely could contribute, and you know, attitudes within the household, and then also environment. You know, like what's what's like the stereotypical breeding ground for the fuck boy? It's the all male private school. <laughs> like, like, I like, like you know, not, not, to, not to disparage any of my, uh, you know, boys-only school fellas. I think that, you know, that kind of stereotype makes this for a reason. You never know. Maybe that's more of an environmental, speaking more to the environmental side of the story. Um, but yeah, I absolutely think that it's a mix between the two. Fuck boys. Nature or nurture? Oh. <laughs> um, I don't know. Like, it'd have to be a mixture. Definitely, but I wonder which one more than the other. I'm definitely going to stick with um, the parents' involvement with the child's upbringing and the educational system. Uh, Definitely more importantly than the environment that we're around today. Not denying the fact that who we're surrounded with and what we're seeing online and what we're talking about and what we're hearing being said in social situations isn't important, but... Uh, it could come down to, you know, intersectionality. It could come down to, you know, understanding social relationships. But, like, I, I, it a, an example of, um, you know, the educational system and maybe society's business hierarchy that we're dealing with at the moment. Mm-hmm. Both the boy and a girl may get the same education and same grades when working, although within the jobs the man might be promoted quite quickly while the woman is, you know, overlooked and then she may get pregnant and then the boss won't offer her to come back part-time and then the lack of childcare support, uh, it's, it, it, you know, and then it keeps her out of the workforce and socially isolated and then she becomes completely dependent on him. That's something that's we're, we're dealing with every day in our society and mm-hmm. that definitely comes down to, you know, pay gaps and, and gender stuff. But that, we, have to, we have to 
really fight that from an early age because that's what's deep rooted within our thinking and within our consciousness. And that's with most people, uh, subconscious thinking, you know, that's just who they are because that's how they grew up. And it's harder to fight that later on in life rather than earlier on. Oh my God, you put it great and you summed up the pay wage gap so that fuckers <laughs> out there can't say it doesn't exist. Yeah, baby. Woo-hoo. The Audacity Podcast. All right, well, what kind of stuff are guys insecure about? Hmm. Um, personally, could be insecure about, like I mentioned before, being too emotional, being called emotionally unavailable, being... Um, being compared to your friends who may be uh, in a loving relationship when you are single and then you're insecure about maybe that I can't connect with a significant other because I'm just not that type of person. Maybe I'm meant to be single the rest of my life. Insecure about uh, body image and social status is a big thing in regards to, you know, social media. It's stupidly seen how some people may get more praise compared to some others and that's an unspoken thing within groups of people that is still very prevalent in terms of the the social hierarchy of your friends so that's a main insecurity which is definitely unspoken about which is very stupid but still very prevalent uh, prevalent you know in our time what else let's think about what i'm insecure about yeah cool let's talk about this um I'm insecure about not feeling my parents' traditional expectations of getting a, quote, big boy job. I feel that because I'm having fun in life and doing what I want to do, that I'm not working a nine-to-five desk job, that I'm insecure about not making them happy. You're an incredible artist, Harry. Thank you, Kat. I appreciate that. Shout out to Harry's art page. Yeah, baby. What's it called? Follow, like, and subscribe. Uh, I'm just Harry Phillips. HarryPhillipsArt.com.au. Okay, shout out, and I'll I'll link it in the description as well. Oh, hell yeah, hell yeah. But also, like, fuck the traditional idea of, like, what it is to get a, like, a job. Like, we're living in a day and age where you, uh, you can make your passion profitable, so why wouldn't you? Yeah, yep, definitely, definitely. I, you know, I went to uni, I got an undergrad degree, and do I feel guilty that I'm not using it as, as of yet? Definitely, but the to, to break down those traditionalist expectations to do what you want to do and for everyone to have fun, it's going to make the world a better place. Like, what's the point in going to a nine-to-five that you're not going to enjoy? It, it, it's, it's that, you know, monotone boredom which may be elapsed within our society which continues to make everything a little bit more dull. Uh, I think it's, uh, being insecure uh, about success is like a big thing um, because, you know, everyone wants to be successful. Um, like, you know, being successful just in culture in, in general is such like a massive thing. You know, you you got to get that bag. Um, but I think for guys especially, like for, like from the guys that I've talked to, like having, you know, having a job and, you know, working a lot and, you know, making money, those are all very important things. And you can definitely, like, like if someone isn't doing that and they're not happy about it, you can, like, it's, like, it's quite apparent. And it does, like, take a toll on them, um, no matter how they, like, want to ignore it. And that's for everyone, of course, but, like, especially, like, you know, if we're talking about insecurities, that's definitely one of them. So this episode's audacious moment is brought to us by Sporty's Hotel in Launceston, Tasmania. 
Sporties thought that it would be appropriate for some fucking reason to put a sign outside their pub saying, Cheers to birth control. The best thing you can swallow to keep you from getting pregnant. Firstly, the audacity. And secondly, the fucking audacity. So, a girl called Chloe Wilson has actually started a petition to get the sign taken down. To be honest, I don't know who thought it was appropriate to put it up in the first place, but the girl has been literally receiving threats for starting the petition by Sporty's locals, which is just crazy. Oh god, what kind of world are we living in? Anyway, back to the show. Okay, on a very different note, are guys insecure about dick size? Um, yeah, I think, yeah, of course, like, everyone is, everyone's, like, I think that, especially when you're younger, um, like, it's absolutely something that you think about, um, but I think that, like, it's kind of like all insecurity when you're younger, either you grow out of it or it becomes a part of you, so I do think that there are some people who, um, you know, who definitely have that as, like, a major problem in their life, um, but I think, and like, you know, there's always, like with every insecurity, even when you do kind of like build past it and move on, um, it does like stay with you to a certain extent. Yeah. But like, I don't think that it's, yeah, like a prevailing problem like it is for, you know, the, you know, 14, 15 year old who's like, oh my God, will the girls like me? Yeah. <laughs> Dicks are something that's hardly spoken about within boys, I find, especially in regards to, especially in regards to my, into my, into my, you know, friendship group, I can imagine, and from what I've heard from all of my girlfriends, and yeah, everyone, everyone's cool getting naked around each other, and it's totally fine and acceptable, which is fantastic, but in regards to guys, it's like, everyone's still very covered up, and no one talks about this, and no one talks about that, and that's because of the deep-rooted problem of being insecure about mine might look different to yours, or I don't want to be seen as that. It, when it comes down to, to 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 sex as well, I can imagine that there will be a lot of insecurities. You know, what's that saying? Uh, it doesn't matter about how big it is; it's just how you use it. Exactly. You know, I, yeah, it, I, that that could be seen as that could be seen as something good because you you know you're uh, solidifying the fact that no matter how um, how big your dick may be, that you can still make love to your significant other just as good as if you had a. Uh, you know, a massive horse cock or a, or a, a tiny little baby carrot. It doesn't really matter. Like, it's about what's inside. Literally. Not what, what, not what goes inside. Aha, exactly. <laughs> exactly. This one has been on my mind for a long time. And I think it's, I don't know. Anyway, you just tell me. Do you guys learn how to have sex by watching porn? Good question. Okay, wait, pause. Now, in case you didn't already know, I happen to be passionate as fuck about changing the sex ed system so that young people aren't having uncomfortable and non-consensual sexual experiences. Now, I think most girls out there can agree with me when I say that most women have had at least one sexual experience where they've felt like their role shifted from a person who's mutually enjoying the experience to an object that is literally there for the other person's sole pleasure. And that needs to stop because that's not sex. Men need to listen to their partners and ask them questions. They need to source sex education from places not meant for entertainment because that's never going to be realistic. If there's a camera involved, they're going to be putting on a show, naturally. Not to say that some people don't like kinky sex, but 
What I'm trying to say is that kinky sex isn't the default type of sex. Anyway, I can delve into the problematic nature of most pornography in another episode, but for now, let's start with finding out if most guys would actually admit to getting their sex lessons from porn. Well, a mixture of that and movies, because, like, honestly, <laughs> in sex education, like, we just don't get taught properly yeah. anything. You sort of get taught, like, how to masturbate and, you know, how... We don't. It works and stuff, <laughs> and yeah, and apparently girls don't get taught any of that and have to sit and listen to how dudes masturbate. That's yeah. <laughs> I actually, I remember that happening at school, and I was like, what, that's weird. But um, I, I suppose it could have an influence on young men because, like, you know, you, can, you get access to dark sides of the internet pretty early on, yeah. like before you even should. So I guess it probably would have a bit of an influence on it, yeah. My my sex education in year six was they taught us how to put a condom on a banana. And at that at that stage I was still thinking that, you know, the man and the the man and the woman stands up straight and it just goes it just goes like, you know, in horizontally and, and that's <laughs> it. So I definitely learned I didn't learn how to have sex, but I definitely watched a lot of sex from porn, which is a stupid way to get these unrealistic expectations to when you're about to start first having sex. So more importantly, to find someone that you're comfortable with and you can get these new experiences with, rather than just putting yourself out there saying, yep, I know what to do. I've watched all these videos. I know how to do it. I think porn being offered to young kids is a stupid way to, like I said before, get these unrealistic expectations of how they're to perform. Like, I remember this book by um, Robert Muchamore. It was called, like, Mad Dogs or something. And there was, like, a like every kid was reading it at, like, age 14 and 15. And there was, like, this classic, like, sex scene in the book. And, like, I swear every guy knew about it. <laughs> So that might even answer your question a little bit. It's just like books that we've read, movies that we've watched that sort of, yeah, might teach it in a wrong way. Did you say it was called Mad Dogs? Yeah, Mad Dogs. Okay, I'm going to ask people if they know the Yeah, ask them. Ask them. <laughs> That's so well, funny. I just ask them if they've read, like, The Recruit and Class A. Wait, what was Robert it? Muchmore. The Recruit. The Recruit. By Robert Muchmore. That's a classic. And so I did ask. I have a question about a book. I have no idea what this. Yeah, I have no idea what this book is, but I've just been told to ask other guys if they know what the book is and they know what the chapter in the book is. There's two books actually. Okay, ready? Mad Dogs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wait, Mad Dogs. As in, is it is it in the Cherub series? Because there's. I don't know, Twizzle, like, but apparently there was a scene that boys talk about that's like the sex scene or something, but also the recruit. Yes, actually, yes. I, yes, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, I've read both of those. Yeah, they're in the Cherub series by Robert Marshmore. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Well, I love, the, I love those books. And yeah, when I did read it, I went, I went to school and I was like, dude, you can read that chapter, bro, James got some pussy. <laughs> <laughs> What the actual fuck? Uh, I guess this is like the guy equivalent of like a year nine lunchtime reading of Fifty Shades of Grey with the girls. 
All right, next question time. Okay, why do men catcall? I don't know. Like, is it like an attention thing? Is it like a, trying to make other guys think they're cool thing? Do they think that it's going to work? I just, I don't... It's a good question, and it's probably a mixture of all of those, but honestly, I don't know anyone that does it, so I can't, can't really speak from that perspective. There's this really good comedy skit. Um, I, I think it's about, I think... Oh, I can't remember who it's from. I think it's from Jerry Seinfeld. And he's like, and he's like, guys have, do, have know nothing about women. Nothing. Uh, that's why, like, like when, they, when they're driving down the street, that's why they think that honking their horn is the best way to, to talk to women. Like, Literally, though. I don't understand it. Like, is that supposed to make me think, damn, I want to have sex with him? <laughs> I think... No one, everyone says that they don't know anyone, but like, who's doing it then? Someone tell me. <laughs> Who are these men? Isn't that crazy that, like, that is what we are almost, like, programmed? It, it, it really hit hard to me because it was just instinct for her. Like, yes, it's like that, habit. Not the, not the first time that's happened and she just automatically jumps to that. I, I did give her a ride home and I was so sorry. I was like, I feel so bad, uh, etc. But why do men cackle? It's the need, it's the need for a, 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 mascul- a toxic masculinity ego boost within yourself, whether it be you're surrounded by, let's use the common example of tradies in a workplace, working uh, on a construction site, seeing a, seeing a female work past and one male you know, construction worker may get a little uh, ego boost or confidence boost in front, of his, in front of his friends that he wants to be seen as more of a man to call out and acknowledge that, yeah, that chick looks good, I love chicks, ha, ha, ha. Boys, look at me. I'm not scared to do anything. So it comes down to showing confidence and the, you know, egotistic 
boost within one's morals. It's very, very stupid. But for someone to do it individually, for someone just to be on their own and to call out them thinking that it may be a compliment to that female is completely wrong. I would hate to be doing my own thing and then someone be like, hey, baby, turn around. Let me see. Let me let me see you. I'd be like, what the fuck, fuck bro? Like, yeah, this is mine. I'm just at the shops. <laughs> I'm like breathing. <laughs> What's up? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it, it's... Uh, I, I I definitely don't experience anything like that, or do I hear anything like that? No, and uh, it's it's really tough to hear that that shit happens to all of my girlfriends all the time, and it makes me super uncomfortable because I could never fathom the thought of me doing that. Apart from that one time, which I was joking, which I regret, and I feel terribly bad about. So it's a it's 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 a learning. It's a definitely a big learning curve. But for some people, that just even if they are shut down buy a cackle they don't learn from it and i don't understand i don't understand how they just go along with continue to do so you're listening to the audacity podcast why do men grow beards uh well i reckon if you are blessed enough to be able to grow one you should but as to why probably just because facial hair grows so quickly and it's a pain to get rid of so may as well grow a beard if it looks good. So you only grow them if they look good? Uh, I don't know. I've tried growing a beard. It looks horrible. So but... is that why you don't have a beard? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Imagine if in the future men could get beard extensions. Like, and it was oh, like a normalised awesome. thing. I'm sure it's a thing now, but it was normal. I'd probably do it. <laughs> you should do it. Why do you think that men should grow beards? I mean, I don't mind. Men can do whatever men find make them happy. <laughs> I want men to be happy. <laughs> Let them do that. Yeah. Why do men grow beards, Twizzle? Uh, you're asking the wrong guy. No. No. I think that I think there are two two answers to that. I think there's three. Um, first one, and I think the most common one, because it's like, because sometimes it fits, it fits like, you know, it's a good look for some people, mm-hmm. and they enjoy it. Second is, I think that in terms of like, uh, fashion trends, beards are very in right now. Like, beards are like massive, like, if you can grow a beard, you're growing it. Like, that's literally <laughs> that's kind of what's going on at the moment. Even if it's not that good, you know, like myself. <laughs> and then three, um, I think that it's... Absolutely. <laughs> Some people see it as a measurement of their, you know, of their ver- like virility as a man. You know, like I am so manly that I can grow this magnificent bush of a beard. You know, this forest <laughs> growing off my face. Like, that is so I funny. Because I do hear guys comment on each other's facial hair more than I ever thought I would growing up. Like. Now being like friends with a lot of guys, like when I do see them and they haven't seen each other in a while, I swear one of the first things that they will comment on is, oh, nice mo, bro. Or like, dude, the beard's looking <laughs> good. Yeah. Like, I think that like, you know, going off like what you're saying like that <laughs> example, which is very funny and something <laughs> I have also um, witnessed many a time. Um, <laughs> I think that also like just, like just growing a beard is just like the easiest um you know, um, you know, self improve self improvement in very heavy quotations. Like, <laughs> yeah, like it's like, like it's like, like you know, if you... the dude equivalent of like dyeing your hair after a breakup. Yeah, totally. 
yeah, yeah. Like, well, you know, it's like it's like going to the gym. Right? Like, if you see someone who's been going to the gym a lot and then you see them, you're just like, oh, hey, like, you know, you've, like, been working out or whatever. Or, like, you know, you know, sick muscles, bro. Look at those pythons. you got lots of those. Um, but, like, yeah, like, I, I just think, like, beards. Just, Why like, don't you say that to me, Twizzle, when you see me? <laughs> because I'm too intimidated. By yeah, you. fair enough. Because I feel like you just punch my lights out if you do. Fair enough. <laughs> if I didn't give you the right compliment. That's so true. So we're nearing the end of the episode, unfortunately, uh, but I hope that you guys really enjoyed it. I had a fuck ton of fun putting it together, and I had a lot of fun interviewing the boys. So I just wanted to thank them one more time for all of their answers. I've actually got a whole bunch of extra recordings from their interviews um, on more topics that I'm going to chuck into an episode. So we'll be covering things like figuring out whether a guy's flirting with you or just being friendly, unpacking why guys feel like they need to hate rom-coms and pop music, understanding how guys are feeling in this current post-Me Too movement climate we're in, and we'll also be delving a little bit more into male mental health, as well as vulnerability and showing emotions and toxic masculinity, and also the stages of meeting a woman, but from a guy's perspective, which I'm super intrigued to get into because I don't know about the other girls listening to this, but yeah, me and my girlfriends evidently live by TMI till the day you die too closely. So I'd also like to know if guys share too much information regarding their dating life to their mates. Now, as promised, it's time for a fun fact. Now, according to one of the world's most unusual age calculating systems, South Korean babies are technically one year old on the day of their birth. And then they get an additional year tacked on when the calendar hits January 1st. That is so fucking weird. So if they're born on the 31st of December, they can literally go from two hours to two years old within 24 hours. Pfft, how fucking whack. Apparently a lawmaker's working to overturn this centuries-old tradition because it's received heaps of complaints that it's outdated, it's time-wasting, and it drags down an otherwise ultra-modern country. This fact was actually brought to you by the show Dave. <laughs> Does anyone watch Dave? Fucking really funny. It's a little Dickies show. It's on binge. My sister recommended it to me and I literally binged it in a day. So I highly recommend. The Audacity Podcast. All right, all right. It's 11.11pm 11, 11 and I need to round this up. Oh my God, should I make a wish? No, I should fucking finish this podcast. Anyway, I thank you all for listening and getting this far. I'm obviously still figuring out what I want to do with this whole podcast thing and working out what I like, working out what I want to change. So please let me know what you did like. Let me know if you have any ideas. Uh, if you want to get involved, just shoot me a video of you telling me an audacious story and I'll use your audio excerpt in the podcast. But yeah, I'm super keen to get more people involved. I've got a fuck ton of recordings already that I'm really excited to start um, editing into some episodes. And I've got some really exciting guest stars coming up that I'm so keen for you guys to hear. But yeah, it's all really coming together. So I really, really thank you guys for all the support. You can follow the Audacity podcast at the Audacity Org on Instagram. But yeah, oh my gosh, episode two done. I hope you guys have the best weekend. I'm Kat Sleeman. This is the Audacity Podcast. Remember to keep your minds open and stay brilliant.
Shutting down. down. 